Um, I will be a little more uh, somber than usual because sometimes my jokes are taking, taken seriously. And so I'll not be uh, making too many just uh, side comments. I'm going to try to stick very carefully to the information that I need to share with you. And, um, and a lot of it I'm going to read because I don't trust my tongue when my heart is bitter. And, uh, and I am kind of bitter, just being honest with you. I'm a little bit bitter. We're in a season right now where we should be working proactively for the kingdom of God. And, uh, and yet, um, we've, we've had to deal with a lot of, of distractions, to say the least. And that's not to say that people are a problem. We're here for people. We're here to serve people. Um, and we've done our best to answer questions in advance, uh, though it's been said that we haven't. Uh, fact sheets were produced uh, to both churches when the announcement was originally made. Uh, there were question and answer sessions held at both churches after the announcement was made. And so um, I'm really just here to um, not speak from feelings. I'm here to speak facts. And, uh, and so, again, I want to stick as closely as possible <laughs> with, with what I have written out just so that I don't speak from, from emotion because we're all capable of that. This also will serve as my public announcement. Uh, this will be posted on social media. I'm not taking out an ad in the paper. Um, we're not, we're just not, I'm not going to pay to do that. We could, um, but we're not going to. So this will serve as my response uh, to what's taking place. So before we do that, I want to read some scripture and have prayer. Uh, Acts chapter 20, verse number 25. Paul is addressing the elders in Ephesus. And he says, uh, indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I've gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I'm innocent of the blood of all men. For I've not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I taught on church leadership several weeks ago now and uh, pointed out that the words pastor, bishop, elder, overseer are used interchangeably in the New Testament to describe the same office, the same function. And here the Apostle Paul is addressing leaders in the city of Ephesus. We would probably, in our connotation, would more, more uh, customarily refer to them as pastors. The word elders, uh, elders also a good word. Uh, but it's the same function. So Paul says to the leaders in the church in Ephesus that uh, he said, Take heed to yourselves, pay attention to yourselves, and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. I want to make it clear before I go any further, I'm not calling any person a wolf uh, or a false prophet or a false apostle. I'm not here to heap accusations in response to accusations. Uh, but I do want to point out that the Apostle Paul was, was divinely inspired to specifically warn the church that disruptions, distractions, and self-made leaders would rise up uh, to try and disrupt the order of the kingdom of God and the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is nothing new. Uh, Satan's oldest ploy has been to divide and conquer, so much so that he's learned how to mobilize his own kingdom in such a way that Jesus even said that Satan understands if his kingdom is divided against itself, it will fall. And so division is nothing new. Discord is nothing new. Gossip, uh, I don't think, is a new concept in this community. Backbiting, um, lying, being a talebearer is being a liar, repeating a falsehood. Um, so none of this is new. But I also want to say this very quickly. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10, Paul also, writing to the church in Ephesus, said, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the tricks of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. I read that because I want to remind you and remind you that uh, our battle is not with people. 
It certainly seems like it, but it isn't. I want to go on record saying I don't hate anybody. I'm horribly disappointed. Uh, If I'm being real transparent, I'd admit to you that I'm hurt and I'm grieved at my core. But the last thing I want to be is bitter. And the last thing I want you to be is bitter. And so I'll reiterate, our battle is not with people. However, every person is responsible to God for their actions and their behaviors. And sometimes certain actions and certain behaviors call for a measured response from the people who are being harmed by said actions and behaviors. I also want to say this isn't about me. Uh, I can handle it. It's about the fact that the gospel is, is being tarnished. The message of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ is being damaged. And make no mistake about it, it's not personal. It's an attack to keep people in bondage. It's a religious spirit. It's a possessive spirit. The Bible says we're to pull down strongholds. That means the enemy will set up strongholds in people's lives and in people's communities. So I feel that it's important to be reminded that we're not fighting people and don't engage in a physical battle with people. You can speak truth. Truth needs to be spoken. The enemy has a voice. God needs to have voices too. But don't stoop to character attacks, name-calling, repeating gossip. Please stay above reproach and board as far as that's concerned. If this mic continues to cut out, give me a handheld. This needs to be... Um, I personally feel like one of my responsibilities as a spiritual leader, for the most part, is that no matter what I'm going through in private, I do my best with God's help to smile through the hurt and, uh, you know, sort of take it on the chin. Uh, In other words, I do my best to insulate you from the drama as much as possible and in every way possible stay focused on what you need week in and week out in the arena of spiritual nourishment. And so, unfortunately, this has become a situation that I can't just fight on my own. Uh, This has become a battle that has been made public. And as I've said many times before, sometimes people will back you into a corner. And that's exactly why we're here tonight uh, to discuss this. And, and, I, and, and what, we're, what I'm about to say is not a reaction, this is a response. <laughs> if I acted reactively, it would look a lot different than this. But God, in His grace, has helped me not to be reactive. I haven't attacked anybody on social media. Uh, I haven't responded to any attacks on social media. And by the grace of God, I won't. I'm not saying I won't, but by the grace of God, I won't do that. As many of you are aware, an ad was published this week in the Sullivan Independent News. And if you haven't read that, I'm going to read it to you. It's public information, and um, so it's for all to hear. Here's the article, I quote. On August the 6th, 2023, John Blackmore announced to the members of Sullivan Christian Church that John and three elders had been meeting since March 2023 with the leaders and minister of the Ridge Church. After spending over 100 hours without the knowledge of the members and trustees of Sullivan Christian Church knowing, the decision was made to merge the Ridge and Sullivan Christian Church. On August 14th, a question and answer session was had with the members of SCC. The members of SCC have requested a congregational meeting to vote on this. No response was given. John Blackmore and the current elders were not voted on by the Sullivan Christian Church congregation. The current elders were appointed by John Blackmore. No vote was held by the members of Sullivan Christian Church. The Sullivan Christian Church presently has no debt and owns its building estimated at over $4.5 million. The building was built by the founding members both alive and deceased. Members are devastated about what is being done without the consent of the Sullivan Christian Church members. And then there is the caveat at the end that there is no financial reason for this merger. End quote. Um, So there's a lot of things stated here that are not true. And so first of all, understand that this, this was a purchased ad, not an article. The names of the people who paid for the ad are at the bottom. I won't bother reading their names publicly. But it was a purchased ad, not an article done by the newspaper. So no fact-checking was involved here. Now take that for what it's worth. I won't share my personal feelings about that. 
uh, but, there, but there was no fact-checking whatsoever. It was recorded verbatim as it was submitted to the Sullivan Independent News. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to answer some facts. I'm going to answer the, the accusations, rather, with some facts. Um, first of all, uh, I, over the last several months, have come to know the Sullivan Christian Church bylaws better than I know our own bylaws. Um, bylaws, just again, for, for, for those who may not know, um, but church bylaws basically serve as a safety net for the church should there ever arise a need. I always tell people, I tell church leaders, you create bylaws, you have them reviewed by, by legal counsel, and then you throw them in a drawer. It's not the Word of God. It's not the Bible. They just, again, serve as a safety net when there are no leaders present who are capable and able uh, to make ample decisions according to the Word of God. So I'm going to read you a few things from the bylaws. Bear with me. Again, I'm going to read a lot because as, as we do with Scripture, I want to read everything in context, okay? Um, so, so just try to bear with me and listen carefully as I read these things to you. And, and some things will answer themselves, and other things I'll elaborate. So uh, it says in the preamble that the purpose of this constitution and bylaws is to serve as a document to be used by the Sullivan Christian Church of the city of Sullivan, county of Franklin, of the state of Missouri, to set forth a governance as a congregation patterned after the church revealed in the New Testament, it is understood that on all matters of faith, we will abide by the direct commands and approved precedents of the Word of God. That's a fundamental vital statement that's made there, which every church should have in their preamble and in their bylaws, that ultimately the Bible is the final authority. And so that statement is made here, and that's the reason I took the time to read it, uh, that, that we understand as a New Testament church that we're under the directive of the Lord Jesus Christ as is revealed in the New Testament article or New Testament section of the Bible. The articles to follow are to be applied in matters of expediency in order that the work of the church may be executed decently and in order. Okay, so that's the preamble. Uh, I'm going to read, I'm not going to read, unless y'all want me to, I'm not going to read all the bylaws to you, uh, but I'm going to read some of the the very uh, pertinent sections of the bylaws pertaining to accusations that have made. So in Article 3 of, of the bylaws of Sullivan Christian Church, this article is in reference to what's called partnership. Um, the partnership at Sullivan Christian Church is what many churches would, would refer to as church members. Church membership is called, was actually changed in this version of the bylaws that was voted on by the congregation, 97, hold on, 97.4% vote. There was only one negative vote, and that person who voted negative said he voted negative because nothing should ever get a 100% vote. Okay, so on August the 9th, 2017, um, these articles, or these bylaws rather, were voted upon and solidified as the guiding governing documents of Sullivan Christian Church, not the 1965 version, by the way, and that's, that's important as well. So in Article 3, in reference to partnership, Section 1, partnership shall be defined as any immersed believer in Jesus Christ as Savior, the Son of the living God, who proclaims their desire to be a partner, has regular attendance, and supports the purpose of Sullivan Christian Church through the giving of time and finances. Partnership training is highly recommended. That's section one of article three. Section two of article three says, should there be a discrepancy as to the definition of any individual's partnership, the final decision will be made by the eldership. Now, I'm not telling you what I think. I've had this reviewed by legal counsel, um, and, and what I'm about to tell you is fact. Got it? Um, ultimately, According to the guiding governing documents of Sullivan Christian Church, Article 3, Section 2, the elders of Sullivan Christian Church have sole discretion to determine who is and who is not a member. So if there's any discrepancy as to who is a member of Sullivan Christian Church, the elders have the final say-so. That's not my opinion of how things should be done. That's what the bylaws state. You follow me? Article 4, Sections 1 and 2. Is the, is the section pertaining to church partnership meetings. Should there be a meeting uh, per the bylaws, uh, this is how the meetings should be 
arranged, called, to order, etc. I'm going to actually read you the whole section, again, just for, just for uh, context. Section 1. They have an annual, so if you're part of the Ridge Church, we have an annual meeting as well. It's very similar to how we do things. It's more of a state of the union type of situation, right? Uh, where's the church? How are things going? What, what's the vision of the next year? Those type of things. So they have one very similar here at Selvin Christian Church, very very close to the way we do, do things at the Ridge. So section one says, the annual partnership meeting of the church shall be held the third Sunday in the month of January. If inclement weather should cancel the meeting, the meeting will be held the next Lord's Day when the meeting can be held. Section 2, notification of the meeting date and time will be distributed in as many ways as possible three weeks prior to the meeting. Section 3, special partnerships meetings, uh, excuse me, special partnership meetings may be called by the eldership. Notice of the meeting will be provided well in advance of the meeting by as many ways possible. So that section is very important. The only people in the church, per the bylaws, who have the right to call a special meeting. So there's an annual meeting, the third Sunday of, of January every year. The only people within the church who have the right to call an additional meeting, a special meeting, would be the eldership. And the eldership, per their bylaws, if they were to call a special meeting, would have to give ample notice. Again, that's an ambiguous statement. But whatever, however they define ample notice, and in as many ways possible. Okay? That's very important. Section 4. Voting privileges shall be accorded to all partners 18 years and older. Okay? Section 5. This is also a very important section, and I'll point out why in just a second. A quorum for the partnership meeting shall consist of 10% of the average attendance. So, if you don't have at least a minimum of 10% the average attendance at said meeting that is only permitted by the elders to call a special meeting. If the elders call a special meeting and they don't get at least, they do not get at least 10% of regular attendance. So if you run 100 regular attendance on average on Sunday, how many people need to be in the meeting? Okay. So you have to have at least 10% of the, of the average attendance. Section 6, the purpose of the annual partnership meeting is to, one, present reports Two, present the annual budget, and three, other agenda items necessary to the work of the church. Section seven, absentee ballots shall be provided to partners two weeks prior to the partnership meeting. The absentee ballot must be returned to an elder prior to the meeting. Eligibility for an absentee ballot shall be determined based upon, number one, compliance with the voting privileges stated in Article 4, Section 4. Number two, it is deemed the partner is unable to attend the meeting. Now that provision is important because what it says is even if, if the elders who have the sole authority to call a special meeting, if they don't get at least 10% to show up to said meeting, they also should have given at least two weeks notice for anybody who can provide uh, or verifiable reason why they can't be in the meeting, they should provide them with an absentee ballot two weeks in advance. Here's why I'm saying this. A meeting has been called this Monday night, not at the church, not by the church, not by the elders, but by a few people who, number one, do not speak on behalf of the majority of the people at Sullivan Christian Church. That's important that you know that. They do not represent the majority. They do represent a few, but they don't represent the, the majority. Number two, they don't have the authority to call a meeting. They sure don't have the authority to call a vote. They haven't given ample notice. Let's pretend they are elders. They're not, but let's pretend they are. Even if they were, they still haven't provided ample notice. They put a, an article in the paper that was published yesterday. I don't read the paper. Well, they put an article in the paper yesterday declaring that they're having a vote this coming Monday. They haven't provided absentee ballots. Have anybody, any of you received an absentee ballot? And so, here's my suggestion, here's my recommendation, I'm not the pastor of Sullivan Christian Church, I'm the pastor of the Ridge Church, so this is unsolicited counsel. You ready? I would not validate an invalid meeting with your presence. Let me state that again. I would not validate, per the bylaws, an illegal meeting by showing up to it. 
first and foremost. Second of all, it's a recipe for disaster. It's a recipe for people to lose their cool, say things they shouldn't say. I know some of y'all. I'm telling you, this is the, st- this is the type of thing that, that, that tragic church stories are made of. And the devil would love nothing more for you to show up or somebody else to show up and get in a screaming match with somebody that you disagree with or they disagree with you or they don't like me or they don't like Blackmore or they don't like somebody else on the leadership team. It, it's not the place for it, okay? Um, we've provided question and answer sessions. I'm an open book. I've told everybody out there, come and talk to me. I'm happy to answer questions. I, I live a very transparent life. Sometimes I think I live too transparent. Uh, but, but the reality is, um, this is not the way to go about it. Let me read you Article 5. Article 5 is another important section, and it has to do with officers and their duties. Section 1, officers in the local congregation shall consist of elders, lead pastor, and trustees. Section 2, elders, the number shall be determined by the need of the congregation. In keeping with the New Testament, there shall always be a plurality of elders who meet the qualifications of Titus 1, 1 Timothy 3, in 1 Peter chapter number 5. Number one under this, this section, section 2, no man can be considered for the office of elder until he's provided himself, uh, rather proved himself in faithfulness for a period of at least one year. Number two, eldership candidates will be selected by the current eldership for a one-year period of evaluation. During that year, the candidate will participate in all eldership activities except for areas of sensitive information. At the end of that year, if the candidate and the eldership agree that the candidate is ready to perform the duties of an elder, the candidate will be presented to the congregation for affirmation. Number three, if there is at any time a vacancy, the eldership may select a qualified candidate to fill out the year, and then such person shall be affirmed by the congregation at the annual should be annual meeting, but it ends at annual. The vacancy may be left open at the discretion of the eldership. Should all the eldership positions be vacated, the trustees will assume the responsibility of selecting elders for affirmation by the congregation. Number five, duties. Their duties shall be prescribed in the New Testament to oversee the entire church in all spiritual matters, doctrine, discipline, leadership, and accountability to feed and shepherd the flock, and to promote the growth and welfare of the church. Did you hear the duties of an elder? I'm going to read it again, just so you don't misunderstand. Duties of an elder, their duties shall be, as prescribed in the New Testament, to oversee the entire church in all spiritual matters, doctrine, discipline, leadership, and accountability, to feed and shepherd the flock, and to promote the growth and welfare of the church. That means the elders have the sole discretion as led by the Holy Spirit, to do what they believe God is leading the church to do. Which, by the way, is a biblical pattern. Again, we don't use the word elder. We prefer the word pastor, not for any particular reason, but we just use the word pastor. And, and that is the biblical pattern of leadership within the New Testament church. I would remind you this isn't the Elks Club. It's not the Eagles Hall. Um, this is not a democracy. The church is not a democracy. The church, the, in fact, the church is a theocracy under the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and so it's, it's, it's not a situation where, where as self-willed individuals, we get to, to have our way. God ordains leadership. Uh, in fact, in all arenas, but specific to the New Testament church, God ordains spiritual leadership. I don't have the time to unpack all of that theology for you tonight, but study it out for yourself. You, uh, in fact, I challenge you. I will give you $500 out of my own pocket. Wait, no. I'll give you $500 out of Mike King's pocket. <laughs> I don't have 500 to bet. I don't want to bet anything that I don't have. But uh, again, uh, contrary to popular opinion, I'm not loaded with money. Um, but I would, I, would, I would give you anything if you could prove to me, show me anywhere in the New Testament, anywhere in the Bible, where, where God's church is to be governed as a, as a democratic body. Simply not in there. I'm not asking you to respond now. You're welcome to show me later. But I'm telling you, I, I don't know everything in this world, but what I know, I know pretty well. And I know the Bible. And nowhere in the Bible does it validate any idea 
any, any semblance, even, even a hint of, of a principle uh, of, of a democratic church governance. Section three, uh, the lead pastor. The lead pastor shall be selected by the eldership and affirmed by the congregation. His duties, the lead pastor will perform the activities of preaching, teaching, counseling, and work in conjunction with the eldership and oversee the day today operations of the church. Again, I'm not here to comment on how I feel the church should be governed. I'm just reading you their bylaws, okay? So that other part's up for discussion. Section four, pertaining to trustees. The number of trustees shall be three. Hear this out. The eldership shall select the trustees and they will be presented to the congregation for affirmation at the annual partnership meeting. A midterm vacancy shall be filled by the eldership. So if there's a vacancy between those those annual meetings, January to January, if someone vacates their, their role as a trustee, uh, the eldership can fill that role without a vote. They can fill that role. Uh, number three, duties of trustees. Trustees shall act as the legal agents of the church in business matters under the authority and direction of the eldership. Now, what I'm about to say is, is again, just a, an explanation of legal uh, verbiage, but um, and this is not to be degrading or to downplay anybody's importance, but, but essentially if I were to try to help you understand what a trustee ser- how a trustee serves within a church per these bylaws, a trustee serves as a signing hand under the guidance and the direction of the eldership. So the trustees bear no authority. Trustees have no power. The trustees are to follow the directives of the eldership. Per the bylaws, they will hold legal title to the physical property in the name of the church and handle all business transactions related to their uh, related thereto, and perform such duties as required by the state of Missouri. So um, it's important again that you understand. I know not everybody understands how how churches work. Not everybody understands how churches govern, even even legally. Uh, but 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 a church body. It's a it's a it's Article Five Hundred One C Three under the federal tax code, uh, but a, a 501c3 organization is a non-for-profit organization. That means, hear me out again, and, uh, and there's a reason why I'm saying this, that means that no person or group of people could sell a church building and personally profit from the sale. Every church, every, every non-profit organization, if it were to ever close its doors, if this church or any other church or any other non-profit organization were to close its doors, the funds that, that, were, that were acquired through would have to, the funds acquired, since my mic cut out, let me restate that, the funds acquired through said sale would then have to be dispersed into other non-profit organizations. You understand? So... People say, you, just, you guys are going to sell the building to profit. It would be illegal. I'd, John would go to prison. Anybody involved would go to prison. It's a federal crime. It's illegal to do that. Profit organization. And I say that because I've tried to help small church. I tried to help one small church one time, and they thought that the 10 people left could just sell the building and, and disperse the funds among themselves. I said, unless you want to bunk with Bubba, you probably shouldn't do that. Um, it's illegal. To do that. Are you getting me a different microphone? Thanks, partner. All right. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk in both of them. Okay? This one on. Check, check. Is this my singing mic? Check one, two, one, two. Is that working? Is that working? All right. If I have two mics, we'll get it all. Um, so where were we? Let me read you. So that's the officers and their duties. Article 5. Um, let me read to you from the next pertinent, the only other pertinent thing. These other um, sections have to do with deacons, deaconesses, uh, staff, marriage. But the next section I want to read to you is Article 9. And section sections 1 and 2. There are only two sections in Article 9. And Article 9 has to do with, with amendments. So Section 2, or rather Section 1 of Article 9 says any additions or amendments to this Constitution shall shall be presented to the eldership for their consideration at a regular meeting. The eldership may approve or reject such additions or changes to this Constitution after prayerful consideration. 
So nothing can even be presented to the church at the annual meeting for a vote without the elders' consent and approval. Right? All right, section two. If additions or changes are approved by the eldership, then such changes or additions shall be presented to the congregation for approval or rejection at the annual partnership meeting or a special partnership meeting. These additions or changes shall become a part of the Constitution by a 66 and two-thirds percent vote of the partners. Again, this was, this was voted on by a 97.4 percent affirmation on April the 9th. 2017 and uh, and and signed by the the five elders who were who were serving in that role at that particular time. So um, here's why a lot of that was was important, uh, just to bring you up to speed and so that you would understand it. I want to go on record stating um, that yes, they quoted in the in the article that the eldership, the elders and and John, as senior pastor at Sullivan Christian Church, um, had spent over a hundred hours in uh, in meetings with with myself and our leadership team at the Ridge Church. Um, that they got that statement because the elders were trying to express to to their congregation, to the church here at Sullivan Christian Church, that this decision was not made flippantly. It was not made without prayer. It was not made without deliberation. It wasn't made without butting heads in private. Um, and in fact, it wasn't made without, we, we hired a, an advisor. We flew an advisor in from Phoenix, Arizona and, and spent nine hours in a consecutive meeting. We didn't even break for lunch. We ordered pizza and, and, and for nine straight hours, we, we went through a very professional process to determine if, if our churches were even compatible Again, this is a group called the Unstuck Group. You can look them up online. Uh, they do this for a living. Uh, it was not free. In fact, I'll just throw the number out. It cost us $5,000 to hire this guy for one day to do an assessment. Of course, there's a lot of legwork done behind the scenes, but, but the assessment itself and to bring that guy in was $5,000. My point is we didn't do this flippantly. Uh, we didn't do this without consideration. We didn't do it without prayer. We didn't do it without private arguments. We argued and, and discussed different things because we had a few different views. And uh, I have a pretty strong opinion about my opinions, and, and most leaders do. And so there were things that we had to pray through and wrestle through and discuss through. And, and, and I can tell you throughout every single one of those meetings, my respect for the leaders here at Sullivan Christian Church grew every single time. That doesn't mean we agreed on everything. That doesn't mean that they became just yes men or whatever you say, sir, whatever you say. We had some serious discrepancies and disagreements on different issues. We were able to pray through it, talk through it, and come to a mutual agreement. Um, another thing that was stated in this article uh, was that uh, John Blackmore and the current elders were not voted on by the Sullivan Christian Church congregation. That's absolutely not true. Um, I, in fact, have in my possession every person that voted for the current eldership at Sullivan Christian Church, they actually have the original ballots, I'm told. I don't have them myself, but I'm told that they still have the original ballots from that meeting. So wherever that came from, I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> we won't go back to the story of John coming on here, but suffice it to say, John did not walk into the best situation when he became pastor here. Um, and so there have been a lot of accusations that have been made. Um, I'm going to mention a couple of them. Uh, it's, this has been called a hostile takeover. Um, that, that, the, uh, that basically the Ridge Church is, is coming in, and hostile takeover sounds like uh, people are being overthrown at gunpoint. Um, but that, that's the kind of verbiage that's being used. Uh, one person posted online that we are raping the church. It's, it's the most disgusting thing I've ever heard anybody say in reference to a church, and I'm sorry I even had to say that publicly. But you need to understand the type of language that's being used. It's very ungodly, false. This is not a hostile takeover. And, and I want to go on record saying this. We could have done this many different ways. If myself, John Blackmore, the elders at Sullivan Christian Church, if we wanted to push this through, in a dishonest way, all we needed to do 
is me start bumping people from the rich church over to Sullivan Christian Church privately. Hey guys, go join over there. I could have, I could, we could have, as a church, we could have infused 200 people into Sullivan Christian Church, and then at the annual meeting, the elders could have brought it to a vote, and we could have won the vote unanimously, almost unanimously. We could have definitely got a two-thirds vote. So if they wanted to do anything underhanded, if they wanted to do anything dishonestly, they absolutely 100% could have. There are ways of doing it. Always remember this statement. When a thief owns a store, they always think somebody's trying to steal from them. And I'm telling you, if you just take my word for it, everything I've seen out of the elders, I have not seen them do one thing in violation of their own bylaws. Not one thing. And again, I've had this reviewed by an attorney. I've read it over. I could almost quote which section everything falls under. Um, but the point is, nothing has been done, been done underhandedly as far as that, well, there was no communication beforehand. Okay, now that, that boils down to a matter of opinion, how things should have been handled, and you're welcome to your own opinion. The reason why, and I'm speaking on behalf of, of Sullivan Christian Church leadership, so guys, give me liberty to do that. Uh, but, I, but I've heard them, and I know, I know their thoughts on this. The reason why, again, you can debate whether this is right or wrong, but the reason why they didn't want this to become public information before we were settled on it. You have to understand, before we made the announcement, I'm telling you, within a week of making the announcement, I had cold feet. And we went into one more meeting just before we were going to make the announcement, and I, I honestly thought we were going to call it off. I was about to pull the plug myself just because I had, I had just certain reservations. I can talk myself in stuff. I can talk myself out of stuff. I was wanting to be sure it was the Lord's will. And I frankly was about to pump the brakes, and they can all verify. That last meeting I walked into, I said, boys, I think we need to just, just slow her down. And maybe, maybe we should wait a little while. And the more we talked, the more we prayed, uh, we felt like it was the right time to present it. The reason, however, that it wasn't made public prior to that is it, none of the leaders, including myself, wanted this to be on a public platform because if we didn't go forward with it, we didn't want it to look bad publicly eggs on our face now but 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 frankly we were trying to preserve the reputation of the kingdom of god the gospel of the lord jesus christ and and the respective churches we didn't want to throw out in the public hey we're talking about a merger and then all of a sudden we get behind closed doors and can't stand each other and 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 and, and jokes aside we didn't want to get to a point and say man we just don't, this just isn't going to work guys god bless you love you still for you we just can't work together we didn't want to put that on a public platform until we all as leaders were confident that it was the right thing to do. So all this stuff about hostile takeover, by the way, if we wanted again to be dishonest about the way we do this, that could still happen. I want you to keep in mind the elders have sole discretion who's a member here and who's not. I'm not saying that's the right way biblically, <laughs> but I'm saying that's what your bylaws say, and that's also what legal counsel has verified. So if they wanted to do it dishonestly, they 100% could. Uh, another accusation that's been made is that John has taken a bribe under the table. I'd like to know who paid him that bribe. Um, I can say for our church, I can say for the Ridge Church, 100%. Mike is our admin pastor. Cindy Pettis is our finance secretary. I can tell you there's not a red cent that comes through the doors of that church that's not accounted for. So search our records. I'll, ma I'll make them public if you want to see them. Mike or rather Mike will make them public. I don't even know how to get to them. Uh, but but we'll give you those records. You can comb them over them, ha have them audited, and find where John Blackmore was paid under the table. I'm going to let you do that if you need it. Uh, he hasn't received anything. If anything, if anything, he stuck his neck out pretty good. Um, if anything, he's. I'm, I'm saying this from a from a corporate business perspective. If anything, he's being demoted. I'm the lead pastor of the Ridge Church. He's stepping away from a lead role, and he understands that because he wanted the kingdom of God to go forward. See, you can, you can either be a big part of something small or you can be a small part of something big. And the problem is most people would rather be a big part of something small because then they get more recognition. That's just a, that's just a social psychological statement. Uh, <laughs> John's been accused of uh, that he's going to flee the country and go to France. He might, he might forcibly, <laughs> but that's, that's, that's not true.
Um, I'm not going to answer any of the personal accusations made about me, um, though there have been a few. Um, I just I just don't generally defend myself to falsehood. But I will say to this to you and anybody else who cares, uh, if you ever have any questions about me, if you hear a rumor about me, if you have any personal feelings about me that you need to reconcile, please come and talk to me personally. No one has ever come to me. And if, if, if I'm lying, show yourself. No one has ever come to me with a question and got their head bit off. People say, well, I just don't feel like I can approach you. I don't know why. I'm a goofball like the rest of you. If you're not comfortable asking me questions, if you have questions pertaining to my character, if you hear uh, gossip, if you hear something told to you that you want an answer to, you can ask any one of our leaders at the Ridge Church if you're not comfortable talking to me. You can ask them. I, by the way, am accountable to our pastoral leadership team. I'm not a dictator. Uh, I do try to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, but I also follow good godly counsel. And so, um, I'm, again, I'm not going to answer any of those personal attacks. I, I will say this. I don't make anywhere near $150,000 a year. Although we can take a vote tonight to make that happen, amen? <laughs> uh, that's, just, that's just one of many. So a lot of demands have been made insisting that we must honor the people who worked hard to purchase this building and property. To that, I want to personally say something. This is just from me. When you say things like you, you need to honor those who sacrificed to, to pay for this building, to build this building, I, here's my response to you. I wanted to. I really did. I wanted to tip my hat. I believe in giving honor to whom honors do. And I, I had every intention to do that. However, this will now be the unfortunate legacy of the Sullivan Christian Church. This. So whatever legacy you thought you had and whatever legacy you wanted to be remembered by, this is what you'll be remembered by. And I'm going on record saying that. The legacy of any church is the fruit that's produced in the generations that follow. It's not a building. This isn't a museum. This isn't a monument. It's, it's a facility that, by the way, was purchased, built by people whose desire was to see a community affected by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. No single person, no family name, has a personal claim to this building. If we believe the word of God. That doesn't mean we don't appreciate. That doesn't mean we don't care. That does mean I can, I'll go on record and say this. When I'm dead and gone, bury my bones and forget me but keep preaching Jesus. I don't need a monument. I don't need a medal. I don't need a trophy on this side of heaven. I don't need that kind of legacy. My, my legacy is my children, my grandchildren, and the people that God allows me to influence with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I also have in front of me some testimonies of people who used to attend Sullivan Christian Church that are not real flattering, that I just, re just that I received today. And I'm not doing this to beat anybody up. I'm really not. But I'm telling you, it's become the reputation. And I told y'all, any y'all from Sullivan Christian Church, I told you this in that question and answer session, this has become your reputation. This is everything we despise. This is every reason why we started the Ridge Church. And, and people saying, oh, oh, the, that's how they've built the church. Let me tell you something. When we started the Ridge Church, and there are people in this room that can verify what I'm about to say, I told church people that walked through the doors, we're not for you. I straight told them, looked them in their eyeball, and I said, this ain't, your church. This ain't the church for you. Go back where you came from. Because we're not here for church people. We're not poaching people from other churches. We're here to reach broken people. That's been our mission from day one. And one positive thing that, that, that does uh, come forth from social media is that there is a very uh, a, a, a attainable history of what I just said to you, because I have said that from the very beginning of this church. And again, to just make a brutally transparent statement, I tried to talk the folks that wanted me to start a church in Sullivan out of having me in. About the third Sunday when we met, we just, start, we just tried to start a Bible. I tried to start a Bible study. They wanted to start a church. I said, I ain't going to start a church. I don't want to pastor again because I've dealt with this 
nonsense before. And I was done with it. I said, I want to pastor again. We started a Bible study. People started showing up. I could see something was going to happen. And so about third, fourth Sunday in, I stood up and I just said, y'all don't want me. Here's what I am. I'm a wreck. I'm a pastor that walked away from God. I denied the faith. I told God I was done. When I, when I left Grace Baptist Church at Catawissa, Missouri, we have members here tonight who are now members of the Ridge Church in Sullivan that were members there. So again, I'm not saying anything that can't be verified. When I walked away, I didn't just quit that church. I quit the ministry. I shut my Bible and I told God I'd never preach again. And I'm in it. I wasn't doing it for sympathy. I didn't tell anybody else. I just told between me and God, I said, I'm done with it. So when this church started, I didn't even want to pastor. Didn't think I'd ever pastor again. I thought I was done. But God did something in people's hearts. And you can say, oh, well, you poach people from other churches. People have left other churches because they're sick of this nonsense. And by the way, let them speak. Once you stop talking for them, you don't represent, you don't represent that crowd. You don't get to be their voice. They, by their own volition, uh, uh, despite what you think, we did not arrest them at gunpoint and put their butt in a pew at the ridge. Not many of them. <laughs> but we're all seeing firsthand why so many lost people refuse to darken the door of a church. The church belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to say that the church has one primary mission that has not changed for 2,000 years. Jesus, in his earthly ministry, as recorded in Luke chapter 4, verse number 16, went to Nazareth, where he was brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up and read, and he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. Jesus, in his introduction to ministry, so to speak, opened with Isaiah chapter 66, or rather 61, in verse 1, and here's what it says. When Jesus opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because he's appointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty, the, liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And in that, Jesus declared for us what the church is. And we have, we have, we have condensed that passage, the, the, the concepts of that passage, into one synoptic statement. And that statement is the theme of, of our church family, the Ridge Church of Sullivan, Missouri. We are broken people for broken people. My job is to preach the gospel to the lost to do my best with the help of God, to bind up the brokenhearted, to preach liberty to those that are, who are bound, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So, let me go on record saying, I'll continue by the grace of God to fight hell itself if it means the redemption of even just one more soul in this community. I don't care if we meet in a freaking field. I genuinely don't. I do care because I don't think many of y'all would show up. But the truth is, it's, it's never been about a building. You say what you want to. Uh, for the elders, again, I'm speaking on their behalf, but these are things that they have personally said in private and in public, that they made the decision to merge with the Ridge Church of Sullivan because they see it as a furtherance of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the many things that, that was said, and, I, and I, quoted, I quoted this when I made the announcement at our church on August the 8th, um, at our church building, um, but one of the things that was said is, is that throughout these conversations, um, other people in town have, have, uh, have accused me of, of whining about needing a bigger building. It's not a whine, it's a reality. We, we literally had 615 people, and this isn't to brag, but it's just against stating metrics and stating facts. We had 615 people in an 8,500 square foot building this past Sunday. 
several of us watched people who were new walk in the doors, not be able to find a seat, and walk right back out the doors. That's been a burden on us before COVID. If you're part of the rich church, we have had this problem since before COVID. And of course, I'm, you know, I hear all the pithy comments, oh, I hate to have problems like that. Well, I bet you would, but it is a problem. It's an, a- it's an actual problem when, when your facilities won't facilitate the amount of people who are coming not to a show. Oh, y'all got that smoke and lights. Our smoke, oh, wait, well, our smoke's only outside, by the way. <laughs> but our lights are not that impressive. People are not showing up for smoke and lights. It's not a Branson show. And say, say, y'all say what you want to. But, but the truth is being proclaimed in an undiluted fashion. We're not preaching a prosperity gospel. Go listen to anything I've ever preached and show me where I've ever preached a prosperity gospel. I preach that Christ died on the cross to redeem us from our sin, that we are broken, that we're depraved, that we're wretched, and we can't be saved by our own good works and merit. That any of us that are saved are saved by the grace of God through faith alone. And that's the message that we preach. I've never preached one time ever in my lifetime that, hey, you get saved, God will bless you. I've never preached, hey, bring me your love offering and God will bless you. But I've never preached that. I've never preached that. And so, and so here's, the, here's the last thing, close to the last thing I'm going to say. Um, and and I'm, I'm just telling you, I reached a breaking point this past Saturday. I'm not proud of it. I lost my ever-loving mind. I just, I, I used the statement, death by a thousand cuts. Uh, imagine being buried under 999 pieces of uh, grains of sand and somebody drops one more on your head and you go, you know what, I just can't, I can't take it anymore. That's where I was Saturday. Uh, I'd, reached a, I'd reached critical mass. I'd just reached a point I couldn't handle it anymore. And, and here are the verses that bothered me. And this is just, this is not me being spiritual. I don't ever try to prove my spirituality. It would fail if I did. So this is not me being spiritual, but these are the verses that, that were bothering me. And, and when I say bothering me, burning at my core. And it's in Matthew chapter 11, verse number 21. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say to you that it should be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. Communities are responsible for how we respond to the outpouring of God's Spirit. Communities are responsible for how we respond to the outpouring of God's Spirit. In Jesus' day, there were areas, specifically Chorazin, Bethsaida, Capernaum, that he said, if Sodom and Gomorrah would have had the same gospel witness that you have, Sodom and Gomorrah would still be here. You have been given every opportunity to get on board with the work of God. You've been given every opportunity to become a part of the solution and to stop being a part of the problem. But now, it's not my job to pass judgment, but you will answer for how you've responded to this whole entire situation. I will answer for how I've dealt with this entire situation. And I can tell you, with confidence in my heart, if I died right now and I look Jesus in the eye before tomorrow morning, I can look Jesus in the eye with a clear conscience and a clean heart. That this wasn't done for some personal gain. This wasn't done by some nefarious motive. We have legitimately, and I'm not claiming to have a corner on the mind of God, but we have legitimately, as much as humanly possible, believed wholeheartedly that we're following the leadership of the Holy Spirit, the wisdom that God gives us, and the revelation that's been given to us. That's all anybody can do. A man as spiritual as the Apostle Paul, who was given the inspiration of the majority of our New Testament, said of himself under divine inspiration, after he said a whole bunch of stuff to the church in Corinth, he concluded by saying, and I think 
I have the Holy Spirit. You think, Paul? But here's what we see in that. There was a great deal of humility in Paul's heart, as great of a leader as he was, as educated as he was, as good of a speaker and a writer as Paul was, as strategic as Paul was in ministry approaches, being divinely led by the Holy Spirit. It's what we call now New Testament Bible scholars we call, or actually not just New Testament, but Bible scholars call plenary inspiration, meaning we believe the words of the Bible were given by divine inspiration from God. Paul, under divine inspiration, even had doubts about himself. So I'm not saying that, oh, I know 100%, 100%. I don't know anything 100%. (laughs) But I do believe with a pure heart and a clean conscience that I'm, I'm willing to answer to God for every decision that we've made. Are you? I think everybody involved needs to ask themselves that question and search your heart. Are you willing to meet God with the way you're behaving? That's not a fear tactic. I'm just speaking truth tonight. And again, I'm not speaking out of feelings. I'm speaking facts. And you're welcome to scrutinize said facts. You're welcome to do your own homework. Don't take my word for it. Study it yourself. So, here's what we're going to do. We're going to conclude tonight with a word of prayer. Jesus said, bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. I don't, have an, I don't have a single person in this world that I hate. They're not my enemy. I might be theirs in their mind, but I'm not. And so what we're going to do is just pray for people who've had a hard time with this. And by the way, again, I feel like I've got to keep giving caveat after caveat after caveat. There's not a single one of us that, that, uh, is, that is threatened or offended by honest questions. In fact, we want to answer questions. I want to answer questions. I really do. Here's what I am not going to tolerate, however. I'm not going to tolerate false accusations toward that guy or that guy or anybody else in leadership. I'm not going to tolerate that. With what measure you meet, it will be measured back to you. You want to judge, you're going to be judged in return. Okay? And, and stop pushing me in a corner. Stop pushing me in a corner. I can't believe this was made public. This is what Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians where he said, don't, don't go to law with your brother. Don't take your brother to court. Don't do it. Why? He said, because it's a terrible reputation for the church. He said, you're born again believers. You're, you're the children of God. Can you not handle these matters behind closed doors? You, you can't handle this yourself. You've got to take it to law. You've got to take it to the public. Yeah. Here's where I get to bite my tongue. So, let's pray. Again, questions are welcome. This isn't, the, this isn't a format for questions tonight. This was an informational meeting. Um, and again, thank you for, for being here. Um, and just pray. That's all I'm asking. Pray for, pray for the situation. Pray for the community. And, uh, and pray that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen? Can we agree on that? Let's stand together. Our Heavenly Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we bow our hearts before you. Father, we submit ourselves to you as someone that you have given the opportunity to serve you. Father, I take that responsibility very seriously. Uh, I take the responsibility of leadership very seriously. And though we generally have a a lot of fun and, and we generally laugh a lot and cry a lot together and, and worship together. Lord, there comes a time when as a family we just need to have a talk. And, uh, and I try to bear the weight of the burden on my own with your help. But Lord, in this situation, I need your people too. And so I want to say thank you for every encouraging word. Father, thank you for every person who has expressed their support. Father, thank you for every person who has expressed their confidence. And those who feel opposite and have adverse feelings toward this merger, toward this move of monumental proportion, I just ask, Father, that you'd work in their hearts. Lord, I don't pray judgment on them. I don't feel hatred toward them. But I just ask that you would help them, guide them through this, help them to have the mind of the Spirit. And if there's something broken in them, Father, I pray that you'd heal it. 
And Lord, do a work that only you can do. And Father, I pray that you would work in such a way in this situation that the community at large would know that you did it. God, that, that you dealt with it, that you took upon yourself to handle a very adverse time in the history of two churches, but also a time when we can blossom and grow and reach more people for your kingdom. I believe with all my heart your word will march on. Lord, I believe with all my heart what you promised in Matthew chapter 16, verse number 18, that the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. And so, Lord, help us to stand firm, help us to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, because you said our labor is not in vain. We trust you for that. Father, we commit it into your hands. We commit those uh, who see it differently into your hands and pray that you deal with it accordingly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.